This morning uh, is Grandparents Day, and we will only have one service today so that you have an opportunity to visit with and, and uh, spend time with those grandparents that are special. Amen. Some of us don't have some of our grandparents around anymore. Amen. And if you do have your grandparents available, if, if you can't get to them to give them a hug, please pick up a phone and give them a call and just say, Grandma or Grandpa, I want you to know I love you thinking about you on grandparents day amen we take every every year this this special sunday and we honor our grandparents and many of you know that early this year in january my grandmother my mom's mother uh, at the age of 81 passed away and uh, my mother gave me after the funeral her bible and a hymnal now i have sitting up here this Bible on the bottom was my grandmother's mother's Bible. This is Granny Appleby's Bible. Granny Appleby was a holiness Pentecostal of some type before the turn of the century and was uh, a holiness Wesleyan and then was holiness Pentecostal after the turn of the century. And uh, my grandmother doesn't didn't know a whole, whole lot about uh, her faith only that she was holiness and that she was Pentecostal this Bible is my grandmother's Bible it's a, and I'll talk about uh, the the occasion that she received this Bible and, and how important it was and then uh, in between the two is a songbook and the neat thing about the songbook is they both shared it it was his her mama's and it was my grandma's and and I have it and these things will be in my office this Bible the Granny Appleby's Bible has been in my office for years Amen. But it'll, they'll be there forever as a reminder. But after the after the funeral, I started going through my grandmother's Bible, and I, the Lord planted some a seed in my mind way back in January for this service. And if you allow me for next a few for a few moments, I'm just going to meander through my grandma's Bible. Amen. I want to share some words of wisdom that are written in my grandma's Bible, some scriptures that are marked out and underlined, and. And, and some thoughts that are there. And I hope that somehow, and I, it's not going to be a cohesive message where I'm taking a text and preaching a point and a, a, a big idea and three points or something, but it's, I hope that somewhere in the next few moments that you, you, you get something that strengthens you. Amen. I, I kind of, my wife kind of characterized it this morning. She said, you know, it's kind of like just sitting down with your kids and saying, now kids, Rockland and Harrison, listen up. This is where, this is what your grandma believed. Amen. This is the heritage that she left behind. And this is the path that we need to walk in. Amen. My grandma, let me tell you a little bit about her. She was born just up the road from here in Caraway, Arkansas, I believe around the year of 1935. Amen. She was raised in the Lost Cane community. Lost Cane doesn't even exist anymore near Manila. And though her mother, my great-grandmother Appleby, was some form of holiness Pentecostal, my grandmother apparently did not cling to her mother's faith early in her life and got out of church, didn't attend church, and, and her she married my grandfather, Tommy Duggar, and together they moved to Flint, Michigan during the, the Depression years to, to get work at the automobile factories, amen, and after the Depression years in the 60s, and they were there to, to get the, the high-paying jobs were there in Michigan in the automobile factory. So granddad moved his family there, and they worked there. And it was there in Flint, Michigan in 1970-71, somewhere in there, that 
uh, my grandmother got into church, amen. She walked into an apostolic church, South Flint Tabernacle in Flint, Michigan, and there a preacher preached truth to her, and she repented of her sins. She was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost, amen. During that time frame, if you'll switch the, the slide, somebody gave my grandmother a Bible. This Bible was given to her February the 7th of 1971. Brother and Sister C.L. Harvell gave it to her. Sister Harvell's name is now Sister Beardsley. Her husband has since passed, and she's remarried, and, and I've been able to make contact with her and thank her for giving my grandma a Bible. Amen. But this, this Bible that she gave to my grandmother, my grandmother would carry and faithfully read and study for five years, as far as I can tell from the dates that are in it, before perhaps she moved on to a different Bible or another Bible, and, and this one became less of her prominent daily reading Bible. But what this Bible does for me is it gives me a glimpse into her first five years as a new convert, the preaching she was hearing, the things she was seeing in the Scripture, the, the studying that she was doing. And I, I was, I'm privileged to have it in my possession as a keepsake, and I'll, I'll keep it and cherish it for the rest of my life. But after I, the funeral, when I started going through it and I began to look at the pages, I marveled at the sheer volume of material that is underlined and marked and written in this Bible, Scripture. After some pages, some pages it seems like in a two-page spread, spread every single Scripture is underlined. Amen. There's a lot of there was a lot of, in those five, first five years of the fervency of a new faith, there was a lot of time spent reading the Word of God and underlining and circling and making notes. And, and I, as, I, as I read that and as I looked at that, I, I realized there's, there's a treasure here that I, I'd just like to share with you. Amen. And I, 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 one of the things I picked up on, Brother Randy, and you and I talked about this this weekend, one of the things I picked up on is that uh, the preachers who were preaching to her and the teachers who were teaching her in those first five years must have been, uh, their, their focus must have been doctrine, amen, over and over and over again, the, the scriptures that we cherish, the things that we hold dear, those are the scriptures that are underlined and that are marked and that are, that are highlighted and that have some type of note by them or some type of writing by them, some type of emphasis on them. And so I, I see that those men, and I, I'm very thankful I have their names written here, I do not know who they are, but I'm thankful that those men poured truth into my grandmother. Amen. I, I can see as I go through that Bible where she noted the singular name of Jesus and water baptism. I've seen where she, she underlined principles of practical holiness and godliness and, and scriptures about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the importance of it. And so it's my desire this morning to honor my grandmother and honor our grandparents on this Grandparents Day by just sharing with you a little wisdom from Grandma's Bible. Is that okay? Amen. I'm glad it's okay because we're going to do it. First thing, you flip the page, the very next page, my Grandma's Bible, and you probably can't read it, but it says this. It says, be ready, not getting ready. And then there are a couple of scripture references. One is Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 51. The heart of that passage says this, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. 
For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. The other scripture is Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. And it says, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And this is what she wrote in her hand underneath those two scriptures. It simply says this, The Lord is coming, ready or not. Amen. You ever play hide and seek when, seek when you're a kid, you know, and you, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. Amen. And, and you didn't even have time to get hid, you know, you didn't have time to, you know, people could, they could count, now you ask them to count in school or in a classroom, one, two, but boy, you get them counting for hide and seek and they could fly through the numbers. Amen. And ready or not, here I come. And, and I kind of got that imagery in my mind as I was reading this in my grandmother's Bible. The Lord's coming. Amen. We don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how, but we know he's coming. And what grandma said is you better be ready because there's not going to be any time to get ready. Amen. You better be ready because when the trumpet sounds, uh, this old church uh, is getting out of this old world. Uh, amen. And she's got three notes under that. It says, getting ready to live, uh, getting ready to die, uh, and getting ready to meet Jesus. Uh, those are words to live by, my friend. Uh, amen. I, I can tell you as your pastor on a Sunday morning, uh, no man knows the day nor the hour that the Lord is coming back. Uh, but know this, in that hour, you better be ready because there will be no time to get ready. Amen. What a powerful reminder from the pages of my grandmother's Bible. Amen. I want my kids to remember that. I want my church to remember that. You've got to be ready. Amen. Another passage that she marked out in, in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 9. Flip the slide. In, in the handwriting above the text, it says the language of the Spirit. And then there are two references, cross-references written to, that, that attach to this verse. The the verse that we're looking at is Exodus chapter 32 and verse 9, and it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. God's people were always a stiff-necked people. They were always a, a rebellious people. They were always a stubborn people. But then she has these two scriptures written, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 19, which says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They, they didn't just not obey the voice of God. They didn't obey the voice of the man of God. Amen. They were stubborn. And then it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 19, which is the other scripture passage she has, it says, Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. God was merciful. And he sent prophets again. And he sent men. They ignored the minister, but he sent another minister. And to bring them into his presence and and the, the, the writer goes on and says, they testified against them, against the ministers, but they would not give them ear. The message here is a little more sober. It's a little more sombering. Amen. The message here is, is easy to discern from the scripture references. Somewhere, somebody in that first couple of years of my grandma's life in church must have preached a message on 
heeding the voice of the Spirit. And what a valuable lesson to learn as a young new convert coming up in the church to learn that I need to be able to, I need to be able to hear the voice of God. And I need to be willing to respond to the voice of God. I don't need to be stubborn. When God starts dealing with my heart, amen, it's easy to push it off and it's easy to try to ignore it. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, amen. And I've got to get in a place where I'm sensitive to his voice. I've got to get in a place where I, I know his voice, where I can hear him when he calls to me. Amen. Grandma's Bible tells me that it's important that we learn to hear and obey the Spirit. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, the next slide, Brother Dennis. These are just, I sat last night and just kind of took pictures, if that's okay. Wanted you to see what I seen, and, and uh, sometimes the pictures didn't come out real clear. But Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 7, the text says, The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. And then the, the scrawl scribbling there in the, in the side margin on the thumb side of the text simply says, God's minority. Someone once said, it's not the size of the dog that's in the fight that matters, but it's the size of the fight that's in the dog. Amen. Sometimes we put too much emphasis on size. Sometimes, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm the world's worst. I can start counting heads in this place this morning and get depressed in a hurry. Amen. We, we put too much emphasis sometimes on the number. And we put too much emphasis sometimes on things that we can measure and we can quantify. But my grandma's Bible reminds me not to put too much uh, stock in a, in a dwindling number. Not to put too much stock uh, in, in a little bit. Because my Bible tells me little is much when God is in it. God's always had a minority. Amen. If we get to be the biggest church in town, we're still going to be a minority against all the people people in this world amen we're never going to be the the huge massive whatever but we're always going to be his amen and he'll always have a minority i find encouragement in my grandma's bible that when i look across this platform this this audience this morning i don't see as many people as i'd like to see still i take heart from the fact that this is god's people this is his minority and me and god we make a majority and that what those songs said when God's with me, nothing is impossible. Amen? The next text that I wanted to bring out was Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. The text says, I, I sought a man among them, that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. So God said, I went looking for an intercessor, but I found none. And the handwriting above it simply says, ready, willing, and able. God is looking for men and women like you and me that are willing to step up and say, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I, I, if you're looking for an intercessor to stand in the gap, if you're looking for someone to, to bring folks to Jesus, if you're looking for someone to reach a lost world before it's too late, if you're looking for someone to have love and compassion on a world that's hurting and broken, uh, amen, I'm willing uh, and I'm ready. And you may say, well, Brother McCall, I'm not able, amen. I don't feel that able. I don't feel like I'm that qualified, uh, amen. But if you're ready and willing, God will make you able, amen. His ability is all I need. My grandma's Bible reminds me that the readiness and willingness rest on my shoulders. 
if I'll be ready and if I'll be willing, he's going to be able. Amen? Amen. The, the next scripture you'll know very well. It's going to be very familiar to everyone. It is the psalmist saying, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. God's word. My grandma's well, well worn, well used Bible reminds me of the importance of that truth. If I'll put that word in my heart. Some people wonder, Pastor, how come I have such a hard time living for God? Why do I struggle so much? Why there's so many ups and downs and it seems like I just can't seem... I'm going to tell you the secret to living a, a righteous and godly life. It's putting yourself in this book. Amen. The scripture talks about being washed by the water of the word. Amen. Let it cleanse you and let it wash you and let it let it get settled into your heart. Because David said, if I put your word in my heart, uh, I won't sin against you. If I put your word in my heart, amen, it's going to keep me through some long, weary years. Uh, a lot of time passed uh, in between 1971 and, and 2017 when my grandma passed. Uh, but those words that she put in her heart uh, in those first couple of years that she was studying, and it was in the church and, and was underlining and marking in this Bible. Those words uh, are the words that kept her. They kept her through her husband's death. Uh, they kept her through a second husband's death. Uh, they kept her through some lean times. They kept her through some difficult times. Uh, they kept her through the time when the factory shut down and they didn't know where the money was going to come from. They kept her through the many changes in her life and, and through it all they kept her holy and kept her righteous and kept her godly because she kept the word of of God in her heart. Amen? Amen. The next text that uh, I, and again, I, I've just, I've just kind of cherry-picked. I couldn't, I don't have the time to go through everything Grandma marked and underlined, but Proverbs chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. The note there, written in red, first is a preacher's name. I'm going to assume that Brother Jerry Stoner preached from this text. And the second, I think, may have been his title. And I think it says, Your Conception with God. I, I, I'm not sure it wasn't supposed to have been your perception with God. But this is what the text says. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So there's a way that, that seems right to man. I can just imagine that a preacher preached somewhere along the way about perceiving the things of God through the Spirit rather than discerning the things of the world through the flesh. Amen. Your perception of the things of God, your perception of what, what is going on. Because if you listen to your flesh, uh, you're going to pursue things that seem right to a man, but the ways of them, the end of them, are death. Amen. You're going to pursue things that seem pleasing, that maybe bring joy and maybe bring laughter, but in the end they bring heartache and pain and disaster. Uh, and so I find a helpful reminder in my grandmother 
mother's Bible, that there's a way that seems right to a man. Amen. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, another place in Scripture says that every way of a man seems right to the man. Every decision a man makes, he justifies. Amen. Every decision a man makes, he convinces himself that that way is okay and that that way is right because that's what he wants to do. Amen. But the preacher somewhere preached to my grandma and said, don't walk in the, in the ways of your own understanding. Don't walk in the way that, that seems comfortable to your flesh. Don't walk in the way that seems comfortable in this world. Don't pursue the things uh, that the carnal man says are good, uh, but pursue the things of the Spirit. Uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, uh, and all those other things will be added to you. Seek ye first the presence of God and the will of God and the ways of God, uh, and he'll take care of everything else. Words of wisdom from my grandma's Bible. Amen. Psalm chapter 125 and verse 2. It's just marked out, marked around brackets, if you will, but it spoke to my heart. You know, so I've read the Bible cover to cover, tried to do it every single year, read it often, live, live in the Bible, love my Bible. Sometimes you read a verse like this and you think, yeah, I don't remember seeing that before. It says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, David said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. The hills he's talking about are the five hills of Jerusalem. He's saying, I lift my eyes to the church. I lift my eyes to the city of God. And so this is what it says. As the mountains round about Jerusalem, those hills, they surround that holy city. So the Lord is round about his people from henceforth and evermore. I don't know about you, but I find encouragement in that understanding. Amen. David said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Uh, amen. But then elsewhere, he says, uh, just like those hills stand around that holy city. Amen. My Lord encamps round about me. Uh, his presence is there with me. I may walk through the fire, but it's not going to burn me. Uh, I may go through the trial, uh, but it's not going to destroy me. I may have some toil and care and turmoil in my life, uh, but I can trust the one that's walking with me. My Lord is around about me like the hills that are around Jerusalem. Amen? Amen. Another scripture that she marked that to me was chilling right behind what we just talked about was Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 23. Jeremiah 32 and 23 says this. They came in and possessed it. But they obeyed not the voice of God, neither walked in his law. They've done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore, thou hast caused all this evil to come upon. I think it's tragic. They came in. They possessed it. It was the land God gave them. It was the promise God gave them. But after they came in and they possessed it, they didn't listen to his voice. They didn't walk in his ways. They didn't pursue him. Amen. And, and judgment came upon them. What a chilling reminder from my grandmother's Bible that whenever you find yourself walking in the blessings of God and the goodness of God, you better not forget how you got there. Amen. You better not forget what where all those good gifts come from in your life. Uh, amen. You better remember, amen, the one who brought you there and that he has commanded you to live holy and righteous and godly unto him, to live a life that shows glory and honor to his name. Because if you don't, amen, if you stumble or you, are you, are you stagger away from this truth, amen, there's, there's, 
no hope left. Amen. There's that. Not that you can't come back to the church because you can, but there's there's that 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 sense of confidence that he's camping around me leaves. Amen. And only judgment. That's what uh, Hebrews, the writer in Hebrews said, was that there remains only a fearful looking forward to of the judgment of God. I don't want to put myself in that place. Amen. So I want to remember him. That's what Grandma said. I want to remember him. I want to remember his word. I want to remember his commandments. I want to hear his voice. I want to obey him. And then we bounce from, I know we went from the Lord is a hills round about me, and then we've gone down into this valley of, oh, they didn't obey him. Let's go back up again. Amen. And, and in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, this is the scripture that is that is underlined in red and then written beside it in blue, just this one word safety safety when you're a new convert it's important that you know where to go for safety amen and whenever you whenever you're just facing for the very first time the struggles of this life uh, it's important that you know where to turn to and this is what the scripture says the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they're safe uh, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and is a high wall in his own conceit uh, before destruction the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility and he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear it. This is what Grandma's marked out in her Bible, that there's safety in that tower of refuge. Whenever you find yourself in trouble and you find yourself in hardship, don't put your faith in what you have, your wealth and your ability and your strong walls and all of that. And whatever you do, don't nurse a wounded spirit because a wounded spirit will break you. Amen. Instead, take it to the house of God. Lay it on the altar in the presence of God and let the Lord become your strength and let the Lord become your place of safety. Amen. With that in mind, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 26 was marked out with a very similar message. It said, It is good that a man should have both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to both hope and wait. Hoping I got. Waiting I'm not so good at. Amen. I'm good at hoping things will get better. I can hope all day long. But the scripture said it's good to learn to hope and wait. Because sometimes you just got to wait for God's time. Amen. You you gotta understand your your valley, your trial, your trouble, the circumstance that you're walking through. It wasn't meant to destroy you. It wasn't meant to bring you down. It wasn't meant to 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 bring harm and judgment into your life. It was put there to strengthen you. It was put there to bless you. The Bible said the footsteps of a good man are ordered by God. And if you're walking in His way and you're walking in His word and you're walking in His will, you can rest assured. Yeah, you're gonna walk through the valley. Yeah, it's gonna rain sometimes. Uh, but he's still on the throne. Amen. He still reigns Lord over all. Uh, sometimes you're going to walk through the valley. Uh, sometimes you're going to see the trouble and the trial, uh, and it's going to last longer than you want it to last. Uh, it's going to take you into places you didn't want to go. Amen. But you can rest assured. Uh, amen. There's a good thing there in having hope and learning to wait. God's going to bring me out. He's going to bring me through. Amen. 
before it's over with, he's going to get glory and honor out of my situation. I put this next verse in here because my grandma believed it. She lived it. To the very day that she died, she paid tithes to this church, supported the ministry here. It's a simple scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, and written underneath it is the word tithing. That's all it is, tithing. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Tithing don't make sense. It, it, it doesn't make sense. I can take 10% of my money and give it to God, and I can do more with the 90% than I could with the 100%. It doesn't make sense. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy sustenance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Grandma believed that. Amen. Grandma lived that. And even after her death, there was... A, a charitable donation made to the church in her name from what was left behind because Grandma believed that. Amen. It wasn't a whole lot, but it was another symbol of, of that everlasting truth. If you honor God, he's going to take care of you. Amen. Brother Dennis, if you'd flip the slide, the next thing is it's not so much a scripture as it is just a note, and it's written in between the Old and the New Testament in, in my grandma's Bible. And it simply says this, and I've got to say this about my, my grandma was both a poet and a wordsmith, and I could have spent all morning long reading poems that she wrote because she wrote a lot of poems, and some of them were very beautiful. All of them were beautiful, but she had a way with words, and she had a way with, with crafting messages, and she, she wanted to leave behind a written legacy. She was all the time writing things and giving them to our, our kids, her kids and her grandkids. I have a folder at home of that she gave us one Christmas that's just chock full of her memories of her history and her mama and the where she grew up and what it was like growing up in Lost Cane and, and poems about her husband and her children and, and all of those things are in that folder that she gave to each of her grandchildren because Grandma wanted to be remembered for the things that she wrote. And I don't know for sure that she wrote this. Uh, I don't even know for sure that the quote is original to her. I know that it's her handwriting. I know that it's her Bible, but I don't know that the quote is original to her, but it sounds like something Grandma would come up with. It's in, the, it's in the tone of the stuff that Granny would write. But this is what it says. It says, this world is not a prison house, but a kind of spiritual kindergarten where millions of bewildered infants are trying to spell God with their own blocks. Think about that for a minute. The world is not a prison house. It's kind of a, a kindergarten. And a lot of people are looking for God. like Just like the kids that get a hold of you. You've been in the kindergarten class. They don't know their ABCs very well. They, and they may not know them at all. What, what, what age they learn ABC? They learn it in kindergarten. So that first day of kindergarten, they declare, they, they, they spill those little blocks out on the ground. And they start putting those blocks together. And, and they're not spelling anything. And if they do spell something, it's an accident because they, they just don't understand and they can't see. But you and I, we look at those those toy blocks on the floor and it makes sense to us. And we can spell, we can spell complex words 
that that strain together eight or nine of those blocks and make these big complex words because it makes sense to us. And and the analogy then is that that folks in the world are really looking for God. They're really hungry for God. They just don't. They can't see the big picture. They can't. They don't understand. Somebody's got to come to them and shed the light of truth in their life. Somebody's got to come to them and share with them how you get to God, how you touch God, how you make a difference. Amen. And so there's a message there for the church. It's if the world is looking for God, the world's trying to figure out a way to spell God from the blocks. Uh, amen. It's our job to be able to step in because we can see it just like I, I could help Clara spell God. I could help Clara spell anything that she wanted to spell uh, within reason, except sometimes I don't get I before E except after C. But uh, within reason, I could get her to spell anything she wants to spell because I understand what she doesn't yet understand. That's our role as a church to a lost world. Not that I have superior knowledge, but that I know Jesus. Here, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me bring you to Jesus. I had the opportunity yesterday in Teaching Purpose Institute to teach a little while on the life of the Apostle Andrew. And then you, chances are you probably don't really even know any stories about it. If I ask you who knows the story about Andrew, except for the people that were in my class yesterday, uh, most of you would say, I really don't remember a Bible story about Andrew. Andrew's only mentioned three times in the New Testament. Three short, brief mentions of Andrew, but in all three of those places, Andrew's doing the same thing. He's bringing somebody to Jesus. That's what Andrew did. Andrew was introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said to Andrew and Philip, that's the, the Lamb of God. Go follow him. And Andrew went to Jesus and said, I, I just want to learn who you are. And then he, he left Jesus, and he went running and found his brother Simon Peter. And he said to him, Peter, Peter, you've got to hear what I have discovered. Uh, we found the Messiah. Come with me and let me introduce you to Jesus. That's the first time we find Andrew in Scripture. The second time we find Andrew in Scripture is a very, very familiar story. You'll know the story. It was the time when Jesus was teaching the multitude in the in, in the field or the plain that day, and there were so many gathered there, and they, they there were 5,000 men plus women and children, and all day long in the heat he's taught, and then it's time to go home, and the Lord says to the disciples, find something for these folks to eat. We don't want to send them home empty. We don't want to send them home hungry. And the disciples, they start reasoning among themselves. Uh, uh, we don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't. As a matter of fact, Matthew, the tax collector who, who knows the numbers, says it takes 200 denarius to buy enough bread to feed this multitude. Amen. We don't have to. That's eight months' wages. We don't have eight months' wages. Amen. And while the disciples are up there trying to figure it out and working it out and, and bickering about what to do and how to do it, Andrew steps out on his own, and he goes out in the crowd. It's Andrew that finds a little boy with fishes and loaves and says, Come on, let me take you to Jesus, because I can't feed a crowd. I don't have the resources, and I don't have the money, and I can't multiply the fishes and loaves, but I know one who can. Let me take you to Jesus. That's what Andrew did. It was Andrew whenever the Bible says certain Greeks came seeking to they said men and brethren we would see jesus it was andrew who said come on let me take you to jesus that's the role of the church that's what we're called to do 
Amen. We're called to bring folks to Jesus. We're called to connect folks with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Then we flip it into the New Testament. And here's where you start seeing my grandma's doctrine develop. Amen. This page is difficult to read because there's so much on it. But it simply says at the top, Jesus was. He was father in creation. He was son in redemption. He was Holy Ghost. And, and, and she had at one point, it said ascension, and that's marked out. And it says resurrection. And then beside that, it says salvation. She knows he's the Holy Ghost. She's just trying to figure out exactly how you put that into words. Amen. He, he's father in creation. He's son in redemption. He's Holy Ghost in rede- resurrection and salvation and ascension. And then as she goes, there's, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, the church, one spirit, one God, and one Father. Amen. Then underneath that it says, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Underneath that it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, by one spirit are we all, and all is underlined, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Amen. All of us. You know, that's how you get to be a part of that one body. That's how you get to be a part of that one church. Uh, amen. We're baptized by his spirit into it. And then first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse three. And it says, Jesus is Lord. Amen. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm going to tell you, I'm glad somebody told my grandma who Jesus is. Because if somebody hadn't told my grandma who Jesus is, I probably wouldn't know today who Jesus is. Uh, But somebody took the time to teach to my grandma, there's only one Lord, there's only one faith, there's only one baptism, there's only one body, there's only one spirit, there's only one God, there's only one Father, and there's only one name, Jesus. Amen? Flipping from there to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. This is what Matthew 28 and 19 looks like in my grandma's Bible. After underlining verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then underlining the word name, the various titles throughout Matthew 28 and 19, it says in this corner, is father a name? Question mark. Is son a name? Question mark. Or Holy Ghost? Question mark. Amen. The answer is really simple. There's only one name. And then there's some scripture references about that one name. Uh, Amen. There's only one name. uh, And it has all power. That's what it says. All power. Amen. There's only one name. uh, And it has all power. I come. The scriptures are John chapter 5 and verse 43. I'm come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. And Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, which says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And then Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I'm glad my grandma had somebody who took the time to tell her about the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Flipping then to John chapter 14 and verse 26. It says at the top, whose name? Question mark. And then the answer is written beside it, Jesus. The scriptures, John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. And that my name part is circled. It ties into that whose name. Amen. Jesus name. I'm so glad I'm a Jesus name, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled believer. Amen. I'm glad that I got this truth settled in my heart. Amen. That I know who Jesus is. Amen. I know the importance of that name. And I'm glad that I have a heritage. I'm glad that I have a, a grandmother and, and grandparents that have lived this thing and believed this thing. I'm thankful today that there are people in this place today that your grandparents and we're here to honor you and you're leaving a legacy for your kids to follow. You're leaving a legacy for those that are coming along behind you. And somewhere one of these days they're going to rise up and call you blessed because you share with them the beauty of the name Jesus. Am I boring you? Is this all right? Amen. I, I, I won't go a whole lot longer, but John chapter 1 and verse 1 just says, The Almighty God, in the beginning was a Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Brother Irvin, I don't know who Brother Irvin is, but December the 26th, 1971, he took that text and he preached, Almighty God. Amen. I'm thankful that I know who he is. Amen. What's neat about this to me is this is my grandma coming into truth. This is not somebody raised in, in truth or maybe raised in it but abandoned it. This is somebody taking a, 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 the time to get into the Word. Listen, the reason we have so many people fall away today is because they haven't taken the time to get in the Word and discover it for themselves. The reason why you struggle to commit to God and to live for God is because you're trying to live based on mama's experience and daddy's experience and granddaddy's experience and grandma's experience. This is my grandma getting into the Word of God and finding out for herself and writing it down so that she doesn't forget for the generations to come. Amen. I know who Jesus is. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 3, it's just bracketed, but it, it's a scripture that spoke to me as I was flipping through. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Uh, amen. From my grandma's Bible, I get a reminder. Amen. I've got to have a spiritual life. I've got to have an anointing of God. Amen. I can't. I, I might can preach the most flowery and beautiful and well-written uh, sermons that have ever been designed and crafted by a sermon here. Amen. But unless I have a spirit uh, and an anointing of God in my life, it doesn't matter. It won't make a bit of difference. Amen. You can sing like a canary, uh, but if you don't have the anointing of God on you, amen, your singing's not profitable to anybody. Amen. You can play and you can do whatever you want and teach and, and whatever it is that you do, but you better learn to do it with an anointing. Amen. If we weren't made perfect in the flesh. We were made perfect in the spirit, and we're growing into that perfection in our flesh. Amen. And it's the spirit that has the power. It says in the next picture, the very back of Grandma's Bible, Sunday night, October the 24th, 1971, one year before my, my wife was born. 
preacher took text. I think his name may have been in there somewhere. I don't see it. Brother Irvin again. I don't know who Brother Irvin is. But he said, when no man was found worthy, God sent his own son. The, the, the message, the title was either that or God's price tag upon a lost soul because that's the message that she writes below it. She said, we're living in revival time. We're living in a time when God wants to bless. We're living in a time when God wants to save folks. Uh, what kind of price tag did God put on a lost soul? And then it says, do you realize the value of a lost soul? And then it has the text, Mark chapter 8. Verse 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Then this question, very bottom, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Probably the, the operative question may be what would you take in exchange for your soul? Because a lot of folks have settled for this old world and lost their soul in the process. Amen? What would you give? What would you take? What's the price? I'll tell you what the value of your soul is. Your soul is so valuable that God robed himself in flesh and became a man and lived in this old world and died on an old rugged cross for your sins and mine. That's how valuable a soul is. Amen? Very back of my, Bible, my, my grandma's Bible, is a phrase on a, sh on a page that has multiple things written on it, three or four messages written on this, but I kind of focused in on this one phrase. I've heard it before. I, it's not original to my grandmother, but it's a powerful statement. It says this, They that are born twice will only die once, but they that are born once will die twice. you got to think about that one for a minute. That's why you need to be born again. Amen, because if you die out to this old flesh and you're born again, amen, you'll only die once. Huh? But if you don't die out to this flesh and if you're not born again, if you're only born once, uh, you're going to die once in this earth and then you're going to experience what the scripture calls an eternal death. Amen, forever and ever and ever. Amen, those who are born twice only die once, but those who are born once will die twice. That's why everybody needs to be born again. Amen? Sister McCall, if you go get the, the kids out of Sunday school, I, I got one more page in Grandma's Bible. It says this, and I know it's the text is hard to read probably from where you're sitting, but it says they never, it says, do you profess to be a Christian? Ask a question. Do you profess to be a Christian? Then never forget your family is watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your community is watching you. Do you profess to be a Christian? The question appears again. And the second time the answer comes, then do not fail to give a true portrayal of the gospel of Jesus Christ for a watching world to see. Do you profess to be a Christian? Then live like it. That's a lesson Grandma learned in her first few years in church and something that she exemplified for the rest of her life. Amen. If you profess to be a Christian, 
then you need to understand there are people watching you. Your family's watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your community is watching you. She was reminding herself that the way I live matters. The things I do matter. The places I go, it matters. Amen. It matters how I conduct myself. Uh, it matters because a lost world is watching me, and my life may be the only sermon they'll ever see. Amen. They may never walk through the doors of a church house. They may never hear an anointed preacher preach the word of God. My life may be the only truth they'll ever see. And Grandma's Bible tells me that it matters then what you say. It matters then what you do. It matters then where you go. It matters then how you conduct yourself because your family is watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your lost world is watching you. Amen? Would you stand with me? I think that's a good place to wrap up. I Just just words from my grandma's Bible. You you may chalk it down and say, well, Brother McCall got nostalgic and, and he talked a little bit about his grandma and that was so sweet. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to live up to the words that are written in grandma's Bible. Amen?